This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we speak with Sweden's cross-country star, Charlotte Kala. Kala remains a motivated athlete willing to work hard to improve as she turns her eyes towards the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. We connected with Kala on May 22nd, where she currently is training away from the Swedish national team. Let's start this off. So can I get you to introduce yourself, tell me how old you are and where you are based in Sweden? My name is Charlotte Kalla and I'm a cross-country skier. I will turn 30 this summer, so uh, soon there will be a party. Uh, But not at my uh, place where I have been born. It's up in the north of Sweden, uh, but home in Sundsvall where I'm situated right now. Has that been your training base for the last several years? Yes. After the ski gymnasium, I went to Östersund for a couple of years. But since uh, 2010, after the Vancouver, I moved to Sundsvall. And uh, yes, this is my seventh year here. So uh, I'm really enjoying life in Sundsvall. Your name has been around for a long time. So when you said you're 30 years old, I'm like, wow, okay. So she must have started very young. Yeah. So when did you first ski on the World Cup? Uh, It was actually 2006 after I won my first uh, junior world champs. Uh, Inge Bråten and Joachim Abramsson, that was coaches in the national team, decided to let me go to Sapporo and Changchun. So it was uh, very special. It was end of the season, the last World Cup competitions, and everyone was quite satisfied after the Olympics in Torino. So it was a perfect start to go to a World Cup when everyone was very relaxed and just having fun. And uh, right then, I didn't uh, think so much about going to Sapporo the year after when it was world championships it was just uh, I really looked forward to compete my first world cup and uh, actually after the juniors uh, world championships I got sick and uh, I was sick when I got the message that you are able to take part of Sapporo and Changchun. And I was uh, so nervous to not get uh, in shape and uh, be healthy. And that this was uh, going to be my only chance to uh, get to the World Cup. But uh, <laughs> things uh, turned out another way. So that was back in 2006. And how old were you at that time? Uh, I was turning 19 this summer, I think. So I had one year to go as a junior still, the last year on uh, high school in Gällivare. In a place like Sweden, where you know cross-country skiing has a real rich tradition, do the coaches, when you're young like that at 19, what type of pressure is there on a young athlete like that from the national team or do they take a much long, longer term perspective in terms of development? Uh, I think it was a really good time that it was Inge Bråten uh, on the coach's side at that time because when I was uh, 
second year junior, I wasn't allowed to race the junior world championships because they were really afraid of uh, letting young people grow up too fast because they uh, it has been a history of athletes going on world championships as juniors in Sweden and then they uh, quit quite early so uh, for a long time the Swedish national team they didn't allow younger juniors to even go to the world junior world championships so Inge had another mindset and uh, he decided to take both me and Marcus Hellner, uh, who is two years older than me, to train to, with a national team, even though we didn't have the results for that. And I think that uh, was a very important time of my skiing career to be able as last year of junior to train with the best athletes in Sweden. So that it just was coming to my as as you were describing the story. I am busy trying to find her name, but the young woman who I believe was on the relay team in Lati. Yeah, Ebba Andersson. Ebba, yes. Yeah. So, what type of advice? And, and from my understanding, you had suggested that maybe she should be offered a spot on the relay team. You know, I'm curious what type of relationship you have with her and what type of advice do you give to to that athlete in particular because she's so strong as at a young age, but obviously you don't want an athlete to to quit the sport in three years. No, no. For sure, I would like Ebba and a lot of other young athletes to uh, keep skiing for a long time because even though you can have a breakthrough early in your career when you are uh, turning uh, 30 that the most uh, medals are spread out you have to be patient for sure but uh, I think Eva is a girl who has a lot of good results even in senior uh, competitions and she has doing very well like uh, in the World Cup in Östersund right before Falun in 2015. Ebba was doing a really good race and you know the World Cup before the championships everyone wants to be in a good shape so she has uh, proven before that she has a high level when everything goes her way but uh, for sure you have to be patient because you can uh, make good results but maybe you uh, don't have this level all the time you can mix it with bad races but it's a really good experience to come to world championships and not uh, having that pressure to take medals just uh, take so much from the uh, how do you say get inspired by the environment and to build a lot of experience for the future and I learned a lot by doing Sapporo in 2007 as a junior and it was really important for my progress and uh, I don't think I would have been able to win to the ski uh, that early in my career if Jukke and Inge uh, didn't let me uh, both train and then also compete because when the competition season started in 2006-07, 
I had to take big steps forward and it was really really fun to be able to compete among the seniors and not only be on a junior but I had no pressure to perform very well can you just so listeners are aware um who was your, who was your coach back back in that time that you know had faith in you to bring you up to ski some of the some world cups and, and world championships uh, in the ski gymnasium i had uh, karin erman she's now married and named karin Eshan, and she was a former cross country skier so it was uh, really important for me as a young 15 years old girl moving to Yelivara to get Karin as a coach because I believed in what she said because she had been there by herself as a successful athlete in Sweden and it was hard for her during that period because girls wasn't that well treated in the national team as men was because the girls had never made wrestles before and the men was more important so it has happened a lot during the years and I think for me I had uh, a big help from uh, like Lina Andersson and Anna Olsson that took the gold medal in uh, team sprint during Torino and also that uh, upcoming stars like Britta Johansson, Norgren and Anna-Karin Strömstedt did very well but if you look back many things that uh, I was the start of a new era in Sweden for women but it was before me then a lot uh, happened when I won the Tour de Ski and I think we have had a lot of successful young athletes coming after me year after year and now in sweden are the men and the women's team on what we would say is equal footing getting equal media coverage and equal respect in the country or is there still an emphasis on sort of men's results i think it's quite equal but it's uh, really good that cross country is a sport where women and men competes uh, at the same competitions and I think in Sweden, we get the same amount of uh, media coverage. I think there is a difference between uh, like uh, sponsorship, uh, like uh, what you get paid for going on different brands. If you are a boy or a girl, I know that the men have has a higher payment than what a girl with the same results have. And also in media, I think uh, the questions are different if you uh, are a man with success or uh, a woman. But uh, that is normal if you look at other things. It's not only in sports. It's more common to the journal- journalists uh, sell different questions, uh, whether you are a, a man or a woman. What would be an example? I, yeah, I don't think men would have the answer what kind of underwear you have, like Therese, Gattin, Fallen. And if you are a man, you are more like, wow, you're a hero. And like if you are a, a woman, maybe you get more like 
treated like a little girl and not like a uh, 30 year old especially when you think about we have uh, some mothers in the Swedish national team like Maria Rydqvist and Britta has also uh, a little girl but uh, there are not the same questions to the mothers as the, there is to the fathers in the team. I think you have four Olympic medals, 12 world championship medals, and correct me if I, I get those numbers wrong, which is quite a career. Yeah, I think I have uh, five Olympic medals. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, two from Vancouver and two, uh, three from Sochi. Okay, of those medals, of which there are obviously many... Which one are you most proud of? Oh, it's a hard question, but I think I'm most proud of the gold from Falun, 10 kilometers skating, because that was uh, a distance uh, that I have been longing for a long time to compete. And uh, it's my favorite distance and has always been. I have had uh, easier to go skating than classic. So... To do it in front of the home audience, it was a amazing uh, competition. And also, you know, another, you know, people who follow this sport here in the U.S. and Canada still talk about your relay leg in Sochi. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about that particular event where it did look like Sweden was way out of the medals, did you think you had that type of performance in you? Uh, no, I didn't think so before the race. It was really exciting to watch uh, the others in the team. I tried to do my very best to focus on my uh, warming up, but it was hard. It was really exciting, the whole race. And I had decided that uh, for one kilometer, I just have to find the focus and the timing in the skating and just uh, take time to go good and uh, from that kilometer i was allowed to put everything out and just do my very best and it was so much motivation to hear that i was uh, taking second after seconds on uh, germany and finland and when we came to the not the last uphill but the when it was about one kilometer to go, I was like, okay, bronze is also a good medal uh, because it was a gap to the two in the front. But uh, then there was something inside me that just screamed, Charlotte, you have to try to fight to get to their back. And it was easier than I thought. I was totally... Uh, I was so tired. I don't think I ever have been that tired in my life. But uh, laying there in the back of Krista and Denise, it was like, I have to go in front. So in the last curve, I knew that it was really, really tight. I had like Krista on my left and the Weebards on my right. But I just uh, decided to go <laughs> between them and... Uh, then I only focused on the finish line. And uh, yeah, I think it was my best sprint ever also. also. You won the Tour de Ski, I believe, in 2008, which is, you know, they're sprinting 
there's pursuits, um, there's mass starts, there's the obvious hill climb at the last stage. You now, it looks like, have the ability to really focus on specific races, and one being the 10K skate, and win them or at least be very competitive at major championships in the Olympics. And I'm curious, you know, having won the Tortoiseski, which is like, again, a, a very all-round type event, when did you really start thinking about focusing on 10Ks or would you not describe yourself as kind of a specialist right now? I think I was more of a specialist before because until uh, 2013 14 uh, that season with the uh, Sochi I was not a really good uh, classic skier I could do very well when I was in good shape but uh, since uh, that season I'm more stable on classic uh, I think when I'm in bad shape I can still perform good in classic but skating is uh, maybe worse now but like going to the Tour de Ski in 2008 my only goal was to take me up uh, Alpe Sermis and I didn't knew that I was uh, that good in that tour I won uh, uh, my only sprint competition but I have decided to not go the Tour de Ski because uh, it's a gambling for me of uh, staying healthy after because it's uh, a lot of effort you put out and uh, especially uh, when you have the Olympics starting in the beginning of February this year we had like Latte in the end of uh, February and you have some weeks to go so I prefer to have good distance training in uh, before and after New Year's Eve. It has been really successful for me. And I think it's... I have had hard to be on a high level during a whole season. I have to focus on some races and then get some distance training and then I can race again because otherwise my shape is just going down. Is there a specific event that you you are targeting in south korea uh i'm looking forward for 10 kilometers in skating and skiathlon and 30k uh, of course and the relay but um, then maybe there is opportunity to go the team sprint that would uh, suit me very well because an olympic championship is spread out on a longer time period than a world championship. I believe you were training away from the Swedish national team this year, and I believe that was the case last year. I'm assuming you make that choice because it serves you best. But can you describe that decision? And how does that look in terms of when you train with the national team and when you train, you know, by the, by yourself with your own coach and physiotherapist. Yes, from now on and until November and when the World Cup season starts, I'm out with my coach and my physio team. Uh, it has been a challenge for me to not have Magnus, my coach, with me during the seasons when I have uh, been in the national team because I think there is 
very important to not only speak and send a text message uh, on the phone, but also to meet, to be able to evaluate what you have been doing and make good training during the week and also uh, planning and looking forward. And you have to do it every single month. Uh, it's not good when I just meet Magnus like three times a year before the competition season starts. It's not professional. And I think uh, the cooperation can give you so much more back if you have the opportunity to work together. And that's why I made this decision. I want to try to do it full time and yes, give it a chance to not... uh, have so many compromises so does magnus travel with you at all on the world cup or maybe just to world championships and events like the 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 olympics uh this year he has been on several world cups as well but it's kind of special to not be in the national team in the coach team because uh, it takes uh, a lot of energy to find ways to meet and uh, to be able to have this good cooperation when he's there as a tourist and I'm in the team, a part of the team. But that's uh, mostly for me in my head to find ways because I'm very, in Sweden we say, loyal it's what is it in English I'm uh, I want to be a part of the Swedish national team but I also want to think about my own needs and uh, it's a like a war in my head where should I be should I be in my needs and put uh, my time with Magnus or should I be with the team because they are really important for me as well so yeah. At the beginning of this last World Cup season, you had, um, I think, uh, a respiratory illness or a chest infection. In any event, you had a, a health issue at the beginning of the season that compromised your performances, I believe. What was going on? And, you know, mentally, it being a championship year, how did you deal with that? And, you know, convince yourself that you know, a couple months down the road, you'll be fine and be fit. Yeah, it was uh, a chaotic time because uh, when I went to Bruksvallarna to compete, I uh, had a cold and had to go home instead. But uh, luckily I could be out training again uh, that uh, Sunday. So I decided to go to uh, Roka and the World Cup. But what happened during the race was something I had never experienced before and my heart was beating really, really fast. But I didn't know what it was because I haven't been there before. But I heard a lot of other athletes that had the same problems. But it was when I came to the finish line and saw my heart rate, I downloaded it to my app. Uh, in my mobile phone and could see it by myself what had happened 
it was hard to know uh, what to do after it because I didn't know how exhausted I was. But uh, when I tried to do some harder training later that week, my uh, lactate wasn't normal. It was way too high for uh, moderate training. So I decided to just train very carefully and uh, recover. It was hard to just taking it day by day because I couldn't say or doing some long long term plans. I had to wait and see what my body respond. But actually it was good that I had an injury in the end of the summer. In the end of July I got pain in my ribs and it was until the mid of October that I felt this injury the last time so it was a long period that I had to modify my training and just think day by day and I'm uh, most comfortable when I know that I'm exactly what my training should be like three weeks ahead of me then I can be relaxed and now it was a totally different situation so I'm glad that I had experienced that in August September October because that made me more okay with the situation in the in the beginning of December did physicians diagnose you with like a specific like heart issue that they cleared you from or you know is this something that you have to think about as you train and ski no i have not uh, experienced anything uh, after that and they couldn't say that uh, this is it and this is why it happened because it's really hard to say just after one time but they could um, i did a lot of analysis and they could say that your heart is uh, safe. We cannot guarantee that this won't happen again, but, you know, one time is one time. And uh, we cannot say exactly why it happened to you, but uh, it was really good to do the, to watch the heart and have uh, 24 hours of uh, measuring my heart rate and, uh, yes, a lot of other tests. There are athletes that are quite accomplished still on the World Cup that are older athletes. And Marit Bjorgen obviously is one example. How much longer do you see yourself skiing at, at the top international level? I don't know, but I would like to go to Seifel 2019. But it's only two years away. It, uh, it's so close in time, so... I don't know if I still is motivated. Maybe I can go some seasons more. Specifically, who are your heroes on the World Cup? Yes, there are a lot of uh, women that I look up to. And uh, there are those mothers like Marit and Kikan and Katya. It's so impressive and for sure to see Marit so strong this season because she has uh, had a lot of injuries as well on the preseason, and uh, she is now a mother to little Marius. So uh, it's amazing to watch her. Then I'm really impressed of the focus Teresa has right now, 
So I hope that uh, she and all of us others have something to uh, when she gets her final now in the beginning of June. I think it's really important to have something to focus on. Okay, this is the when I'm able to be out on World Cup again. Yeah, the Norwegian team is uh, so strong and has been for a lot of years. And then I think it's really fun to see and meet the American girls and think of what a journey they have been going through. It's so amazing to see what position they have today in the uh, Women's World Cup. They are so many good athletes and a, a really nice attitude and uh, very well uh, welcoming to other nations and uh, the way they develop sports uh, it's really impressive well thank you so much for your time and we appreciate you answering questions so thanks thank you thanks for listening to nordic nation 